Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Are you a native film buff? Well, there's plenty of native content to stream, including the new season of Rutherford Falls, an Alaska native-focused season of Life Before Zero, and a self-discovery indie film called Wildhood. There's also a lot coming down the pipe, like Prey and a new season of Reservation Dogs. Join us after the news as we showcase native film and TV. National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The National Congress of American Indians and the Native American Rights Fund are hosting a virtual roundtable for tribal leaders to discuss potential impacts of the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling on Oklahoma versus Castro Huerta. The High Court Wednesday ruled 5-4 to four, Oklahoma can prosecute non-Indians for crimes against Indians in Indian country. The decision is a reversal of the precedent set by the court in its 2020 landmark McGirt decision, which held states do not have authority. National Congress of American Indians President Fawn Sharp called the ruling an attack on tribal sovereignty. John Echohawk, executive director of the Native American Rights Fund, agrees, saying the unauthorized and unconsented intrusions on tribal sovereignty are antithetical to tribal sovereignty and tribal treaty rights. The Native organizations are continuing to analyze the decision, saying the consequences for tribes, the federal government, and states will take time to unravel. The Tribal Leaders Roundtable is scheduled to take place next week. The newest group of Navajo Nation police officers recently graduated from the tribe's training academy. As Arizona Public Radio's Ryan Heinches reports, they'll join a department tasked with patrolling the largest reservation in the United States. Ten men and women attended a ceremony in Crown Point, New Mexico last Saturday to receive their police badges. They make up the 57th Navajo Nation Police Training Academy class and will now work on the 27,000-square-mile reservation that includes parts of northern Arizona New Mexico and Utah. The 28-week training course that recruits undergo focuses on academics, crime scene management, de-escalation techniques, and several other areas of policing. Navajo Police Chief Daryl Noon attended the ceremony and said 32 people began the course last December. It comes as the Navajo Police Department has faced myriad challenges like officer retention and funding. A report last year called for several major reforms, including doubling the number of officers who patrol the vast reservation in order to improve public safety. Navajo President Jonathan Nez, who also attended the graduation, said the tribe has raised police salaries in order to retain officers and has also created a new enforcement program to fight drug use and sales as well as bootlegging and violent crimes. Nez also said the force has begun incorporating traditional Navajo beliefs into how it addresses substance abuse, suicide, missing and murdered indigenous people, and other persistent issues that officers commonly face on the reservation. For National Native News, I'm Ryan Heinches in Flagstaff. The Onondaga Nation, the state of New York, and the U.S. Interior Department announced Wednesday an agreement to return more than 1,000 acres of ancestral land back to the tribal nation. The agreement stems from a 2018 settlement with the company Honeywell. It directs the company to transfer the land in central New York's Tully Valley to the nation. It's said to be one of the largest returns of land by any state to a tribe.
Plans are to restore and manage the area, which includes wetlands, forests, floodplains, and fields. The Poinitian tribe in Louisiana is working to create a culturally reflective French immersion school. Last week, tribal and state leaders took part in a ceremonial signing of a bill which creates the school. In recent years, the tribe has made it a priority to maintain the Indian French language after previous efforts to establish an immersion school failed. The tribe is focused on creating a school to incorporate the local dialects of Indian French and Cajun French into the curriculum. The bill passed the legislature without opposition. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. With so many organizations trying to help military veterans, it can be hard to find the right information. So AARP brings together no-charge employment and fraud prevention resources, caregiving tools, discounts, and more at aarp.org slash veterans who support this show. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It's an exciting time for Native audiences to stream and watch Native stories and talent on screen. In this hour, we're offering our reviews of some of the most recent shows and films, like Rutherford Falls on Peacock. Welcome to the new Minashanka Cultural Center. This is Nelson, my co-curator. You're touching those with bare hands? Would you want to be touched with hands covered in gloves? You don't know what I'm into, man. Nice to see you, Miss Fish. I listened to that podcast about you. I have Josh's info if you want to dox him. Well, I find that troubling. Hey, Terry. Regan's in a res fight. Oh, tell her if she hits the ground, it's over. Listen, matriarch to matriarch. That was the trailer for the second season. It was released two weeks ago. Life Before Zero, First Alaskans, is a new show streaming on National Geographic and Disney+. The raven was part of the creation story in our culture. He put me out here on the tundra that I love so much. We were put here by our creator. This is the story of how we lived and how we survived for thousands of years. It's a docu-series following some Alaska Native families and their subsistence lifestyle. And Wildwood, an indie film about First Nations people in Canada, started streaming on Hulu just last week. Here's a sample from the film. Oh, it's a cake. I'm a pastry chef, French trained. Studied at Le Cordon Bleu in Paris. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. Tell you what. You help me with an errand. And maybe you can sit down, eat something warm. 
If you're a fan of Michael Gray Eyes, yep, that was him. He has a part in this great coming-of-age road trip movie written and directed by Bretton Hannum, who is Mi'kmaq. Are you a native film buff? Are you caught up on all the latest content? Call in. We want some listener reviews. We're at 1-800-996-2848. You know the number. Yeah, 1-800-99-NATIVE. We've got lots of cool stuff to talk about, so let's get into our show. Our first guest is a voice you've heard many times on Native America Calling. Vincent Schilling is the editor of NativeViewpoint.com and a certified Rotten Tomatoes critic. He's Akwesasne Mohawk. Vince, always a pleasure. How's it going? There you go. Thanks for having me, Sean. I was glad to be here. Well, Vince, it's always a, a, great to have you on the show. And, and major happenings in the native television and film world. Where do you want to begin, brother? Where to begin? You know, it's it's exciting, really. Uh, I, I I've been going back and forth, and and. Uh, with a lot of my friends talking about this on social media or even just personally back and forth saying, gosh, you know, even 10 years ago, the uh, television and film uh, world for Native people was just not this way. You know, we've had a, in the past few years, in the, be, even before the pandemic, things started picking up. You know, you got Wildhood and, and of course, you know, one of the most epic television you know, moments and unveilings was Rutherford Falls, which was by the first ever Native American showrunner, Sierra Teller Ornelas and, and, you know, Michael Grea, Janice Schmeeding, Ed Helms coming together to do this incredible program. And it, it went everywhere. I remember, you know, people talking about the saying, my daughter right now is watching a television show that I could never have dreamed of as, as a young person, you know, so to think, that there's a young person watching TV right now and seeing themselves. What, what a time, you know, what an absolutely spectacular time. And it's very exciting. Yeah. It's just totally, totally blowing up. And with regard to Rutherford Falls, I think you gave it a, a perfect 10 on your, on your website, didn't you for a rating? Actually, I get, actually it's my first ever 11 out of 10. I even told Ed Helms, and he was like, wow, <laughs> you know, I was like, guys, this is epic. I mean, I was just like, screaming and yelling and, and uh, was so excited to talk to Michael Gray eyes, you know, Janice Schmeeding. And, you know, we did this, uh, a YouTube interview uh, where we had Rutherford Falls talking about, you know, doing means doing, and it was just, you know, I said, get ready because Indian country is going to grab a lot of this content and make a bunch of memes. And of course, you know, it blew up, you know, Ed Helms and Janice Beating acting all funny and doing seeing stuff everywhere with funny words. And, and then Reservation Dogs came in and then there's more memes. And then it's just like we actually have content, you know, memes on social media. that are actually culturally relevant and, and not, not offensive. And it's, it's kind of interesting that we could actually have a non-offensive native meme. You know what I mean? So it's it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's just it's just. Social media, the world of television and film has just gotten more and more fun as someone who, like myself, who loves native film, who loves this genre, who loves arts and entertainment, and to see all these things happening and to watch the careers of so many people around me who I've talked to for so many years doing such incredible things, it's just beyond belief. And let's not even start to go into Echo, uh, you know, on on Marvel Mm -hmm. and Disney and Jeez, it's just like, are you joking? This is like stuff I can't even imagine. You know, being a kid back in the 70s, 
the only Native Americans I knew of literally were Felipe Rose of the Village people or that guy that was an Indian that's crying because there was trash thrown. That's the only two I knew of, literally on TV as a kid. That's all I knew. But, but wait a second, don't you remember when Will Sampson was on Vegas, that old Aaron Spelling drama? That was in the 70s, early 80s. You remember that? But, you know, I mean, not, I mean, so, so. I mean, how many kids, you know, when you're, you know, when you're six years old, watch Vegas at night with your parents, you know, and you don't really, I mean, I, I understand he was there here and there, but for the most part, it was that Indian you. guy crying. <laughs> I hear you. But I used to stay up late. I used to watch Vegas. I would definitely stay up Did for that you? show because he was like, he's like one of the coolest native guys ever. You know, oh, <laughs> Will yeah. Sampson, he was awesome. <laughs> Vince, what about um, Wildhood? What did you think of the movie? Well, it was, it was really interesting because um, I, and I, without, without revealing who they are, because I would w- want to respect their privacy, but there is a member of my family, a younger person, um, who, you know, is, is seeking to identify their own sense of who they are as a person, whether that be, you know, uh, you know, being in love with males or female or the, it just, I'm just seeing this very gentle exploration of who they are as a person. And, and then accompanying that with the, the themes in wildhood where, there's this young man seeking his family. I think of myself because my grandmother uh, went to residential schools. Uh, I actually found a photograph of her with a haircut and boy, did it punch me in the gut to, to, to add this theme uh, into my life. And then seeing this film that represented something similar where this young man is trying to search who he was because he was completely lost. My grandmother didn't speak her language to me. She didn't share her traditions to me because she was too terrified. I might be identified as a native child. So to see this young man go through all this and then, you know, the characters there that were so, so wonderfully done. I, I chose it, by the way, um, as my, you know, TIFF favorite. It was my top pick at the Toronto Independent Film Festival in 2021. And there's just beautiful performances by Michael Grayeyes, who plays a character Smokey, Philip Lewiski, who plays this Link, Joel Thomas, uh, Savannah Spracklin, Joshua Ojek. I mean, it just, the guys really did a wonderful job. And I even, I compared it and said, it's like, when I was in school and my teacher called an Anton Chekhov play symphonic realism, it was like all these voices coming together in mm-hmm. almost a symphonic type of <laughs> mentality that, that created a living, breathing organism. It was just a wonderful film because he's exploring who he is, not only as a native person, but also who he is, you know, from who he chooses to love. And, and, and it's all embraced. It was just really, really a wonderful film in that aspect. I, I totally agree. And, and I found that it was it was powerful and moving on so many levels. And, and like you said, just the different characters and all that interaction, like you had, you know, the, the two young men and, and their relationship. And I, I really like that that younger brother, that half brother. And I don't want to give a spoiler alert away, but he's got this younger half brother who's not native. And, and then that just added a whole nother layer to the narrative. And that and, and that younger brother kind of evolved, too, as they evolved. And it was just I, I mean, that movie really took a lot of time and a lot of thought to put together. And you know what I really like about it too, is it's just, it was just, it was so out of the the mold and not just the storyline, but just the whole approach and, and the storytelling component. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really a fan of, of, of actors and directors and producers when, when they, when they go out of the, 
take chances like that, you know, and they do something that we haven't seen before in a way that's never been done before. And that takes a lot of guts to do that. And it, it, it worked for sure in this movie. I, I thought it was really, really cool. What all do you know about Philip Lewitsky? He was awesome. I, you know, to me, he's a newbie. I, I, I hadn't heard of him before or, or seen him, but I'll tell you, wow, just, just wow. Great job, Philip, if you're listening. Wow, great job. Because it was, um, you know, I, I can't really explain what that is, but I think, um, I, I, I don't speak for everyone, but I think many Native people will, will understand, or, or just anyone who's, who's seeking to strive of who they are. And it's like we, you get thrown literally into the midst of this, this vast uh, world of wanting to explore who you are and just not having any freaking clue. You know what I'm saying? Because so many times in Native culture, I meet so many people, and I'm one of these people who is lost in so many ways in trying to seek, you know, what was taken from us. You know, I, that's why I've spent my career focusing on on learning about Native things and, and, and enhancing my own culture and, and, and learning so much more of my language and this and that because there's so much that we didn't get. So it, it's this reclamation, the sense of like, let's grasp who we always were meant to be. And maybe we were lost from, from a little while, but don't worry, it's always there waiting for us to come claim it back. And that was the nice part of it is that, is that reclamation was there and embraced. And also who he is, everyone's like, yeah, sounds great. That's who you are. You know, it was just, it was just received, you know, by, by so many. It was, just, it was just a wonderful film. We'll put links to all the shows we're talking about on our website. And we want our listeners to chime in. If you've got a review of any of these shows we're talking about, if you have seen um, any of these shows, if you've seen Rutherford Falls second season, give us a holler. We want to hear from you. Back right after this break. The Eastern Band of Cherokee puts their culture and flair for public attraction on display every 4th of July. We go live from the Kuala Boundary in North Carolina to hear more about Cherokee history and get insights about the tribe's annual celebration. That's coming up on the next Native America Calling. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strongheart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strongheart's Native Helpline. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're reviewing the latest Native films and TV like Rutherford Falls and Life Below Zero, First Alaskans. If you're a movie and film buff or you just like cozying up on the couch and watching Native stories, give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. Well, Vince, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Rutherford Falls. And you know what? We've actually got a really cool interview with some of the cast. You want to listen to it? Let's do it. 
All right. Alyssa London, one of our Native America Calling guest hosts, recently talked with some of the cast and crew of Rutherford Falls. Here's her interview with show writer and creator Sierra Teller Ornelas and actors Michael Grayeyes, who plays tribal casino boss Terry Thomas, Dustin Milligan as the love struck reporter Josh Carter, Jesse Lee, the assistant turned political candidate Bobby Yang, Ed Helms, a.k.a. the incorrigible Nathan Rutherford, and Jana Schmeeding, a show writer who also acts the part of the well-intentioned but often naive Reagan Wells. Well, I want to uh, congratulate both of you for bringing to light so many um, important Native issues across Indian country for the audience that probably doesn't typically see it. Uh, Sierra, I want to direct this initially to you. How do you start with an issue like NAGPRA, uh, or I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into uh, maybe even boarding school conversation at some point, these really tough topics about our history and uh, bridge them into a way that is probably palpable for an audience that would otherwise know nothing? Yeah, I mean, I think growing up, concepts like NAGPRA and about land back and about you know repatriation, I grew up with those stories from my aunts and uncles and they were told to me in really dramatic ways. They had, you know, we were kind of natural storytellers in my family and they had twists and turns and they had drama and they had cliffhangers and they had, you know, the beats of a story. And so when it came to working in television comedy for 10 years, you know, you pitch from your life and you pitch stories that are based on, on who you are and the specificity of my life didn't always translate. But when we got into Rutherford Falls and we had a room of native writers, we all started pitching ideas and stories. The History Day episode um, stemmed from Bobby Wilson's wife was a judge at a History Day competition and just how that is such a singular experience for a native person that's very different. And, and so, inherent in a lot of our complexities and and stories that have a lot of density to them their built-in is a lot of comedy and absurdity i often say you know my experience as a native woman comes with a lot of conflict and trauma but it also is absurd it's an absurd experience and i think if you can find a way to to lean into that in a truthful way in a way that we're in on the joke i think it actually kind of permeates and, and helps people absorb those ideas um, more easily thank you yeah. And Michael, what was some of the research that you did to inform your character? Did you go to the National Indian Gaming Association conference at all or give us some insight? <laughs> I wasn't able to make it. I was I was I was working. I, I was directing another show and I was jealously looking at my Twitter feed as Ed and, and Ty and Sierra were there. I was like, ah, oh, I wish I could have. Um, spoiler, I'm not a gambler. So whenever I go to casinos, I'm there for the food. <laughs> I, I'm just going to be honest about that and the shows. But what's so beautiful about playing Terry is that so much of the storylines, um, you know, really reflect my my life as a Native man in really, really great ways. I think one of the beautiful things about season one is, you know, that we saw Native families not in conflict, not in dissolution, but actually powerful and joyful and ambitious. And so I was reminded that, yeah, our lives are absent for the most part from, from, uh, from our media. And I think it's, it's, it's essential that we tell these stories in order to refute our invisibility and to share our joy. Dustin, what is the biggest thing you've learned about 
Native America or Indian country in your research for this role? You know, I think one of the wonderful things about the show, certainly in in leading up to the show and even prior to that, I'm from uh, the Northwest Territories in Canada. So we were lucky enough to be exposed to a lot of the uh, indigenous cultures that call that area home. But when moving further down south and you start to realize just the total lack of not just only education, but just the lack of a conversation at all in so much of the biggest media. What was so wonderful is that not only being a part of this show where we have uh, an incredible room of Native writers and also Sierra, uh, our showrunner and co-creator is Native, uh, but through that, just learning through humor and through joy and the celebration of the modern uh, stories that all of these writers and creators are, are bringing together on the show, through that, just learning like indigeneity is not monolithic. There's not just sort of one version of the story or one version of what an indigenous person can be, which of course, you know that intellectually, but just to see it, so many examples through the show, just so many different specific nuanced characters that are also wildly different and so hilarious that was something that I just didn't quite understand how that was going to uh, hit you until you uh, sort of start reading through the scripts and go through the, actually filming the show. And it was a wonderful surprise. Jesse, so much of the show is about increasing representation in Hollywood. And you are also adding to that by playing a non-binary role that in Indian country, we sometimes call two-spirit. Uh, what do you see as the significance of bringing this role and representation into the television show? Playing a non-binary character is so rewarding and also very comforting because I identify as non-binary in real life. So to play a character that's so similar and also one that is flourishing in the small town of Rutherford Falls and one that doesn't dig into like past trauma or problems that they've had uh, when they were younger. We've seen so many characters, so many LGBTQ plus characters on screen, just kind of being shadowed by their traumatic past, but to play a character that is dressing how they want and wearing makeup if they want and teaching others how to apply their makeup. It feels really important. Um, to be playing that on screen. Thank you. And Ed, what has been some of the biggest learnings you've had about uh, Native American people, Indian country? In a writer's room, you spend a lot of time, what I, I like to think of it as steeping the tea, where you're not actually working, you're not writing, you're not coming up with ideas, you're just telling stories. And everyone's telling just dumb jokes, dumb stories from their lives. And they're like, oh, that made me think of this. And that and it's so important to the writing process because you're getting to know each other. And in this case, I was also getting to know the Native American community, or at least this aspect of it that our writers represented in a way that I didn't hadn't known before. And so it was seeing a, a kind of, I, I don't want to paint too broad of a brush, but seeing that sort of cultural sense of humor that everyone brought, I didn't expect. And then all of the specificity that our show has because of who this writer's room is, I can't say enough. I've just, I've been constantly learning and I'm still learning and it's, it's and been you're amazing. You're gonna learn more, right? Uh, Jana, I 
read about your career so far, and this has been a long time in the making, the topics that you bring into the show, I mean, as a Native person watching it, I'm like, oh, thank goodness, like someone's talking about it. How much of this has just been brewing in your mind for probably your whole career? Well, yeah, a lot of these stories uh, reflect my experiences in life and also the writer's experiences. You know, we're pulling from Tazba Chavez's, you know, experiences and Bobby Wilson's experiences, you know, Sierra's experiences as Native, as Native people. And, um, but yeah, I think um, being a Native woman sort of centered in a story and getting to play that and, and being able to be funny on screen, I never expected to be able to do that. I really didn't have any hope that I would even see this role in my lifetime. So to be here and doing it, I mean, I'm very grateful that I did, you know, so much comedy, um, you know, in my younger adulthood and didn't know that I was practicing for the real thing. Um, but also, yeah, just getting to collaborate with other Native people and to tell stories in this context has just been so rewarding. Um, I feel truly honored to like represent Native women and funny Native women, which I think, as you know, we all are, every single one of us. That was Alyssa London talking with some of the cast and crew of Rutherford Falls. A video version of this interview is posted on our Native America Calling Facebook page or listen to the full conversation at NativeAmericaCalling.com. Let's go to the phones. We've got Shell listening in Fort Hall, Idaho on KISU. Shell, great to have you on the air. Be sure you all want Sean. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Shell. Yeah, I was uh I was getting ready to uh throw uh quit watching TV and throw my TV out or burn it or something because I never see in natives on there. I always see some other, you know, thing on there. Not even pertaining to natives, so but I've been kind of catching some of it on the internet, and it makes me feel a lot better, you know. And after all these years of just watching all the fake natives and things like that, you know. <laughs> I know what you mean, Shell. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's just a, a wonderful time. So much happening in native film, television, entertainment, as Vince has shared with us. So, Shell, thanks for calling in. Appreciate your comments, as always. Vince, let's talk about another new show, Life Below Zero First Alaskans. Have you seen it? Uh, yes. I've been watching, well, not all of it. I, I have been watching some, and, and uh, wow, what a great show. It's <laughs> just such a, it's so charismatic. All, all, everyone there is just like, it's just like doing their thing. You know, it's, 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 um, I, I don't know if you can quite explain it. It's a native thing. It's just kind of like, Oh, Hey, right. oh, so you dropped, so you dropped your camera in the water, destroying all your gear. Huh? Okay. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, one of those type of, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the, the beauty of the show is the embracing of traditions, but also like looking at technology in the face and just kind of like challenging it the whole time. And technology mm. consistently seems to be losing, and it's just really, really interesting. <laughs> well, let's learn more about life below zero first Alaskans, and we've got just the person who can enlighten us. Jody Potts Joseph is speaking with us from Stevens Village in the heart of the Alaska interior. She is Han Gwichin, and her life is currently featured on Life Below Zero 
First Alaskans. Jody, it's so cool to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, calling in from a remote lodge on the Yukon River, and the connection might not be so great, so I apologize in advance for that. We just uh, pulled up by riverboat from our remote fish camp. So, Well, I was going to say, Jody, the show is all about you and other Alaska Native people living off the grid, thriving off the fat of the land, no technology, no cars, no Walmart. So I was kind of wondering how we were going to be able to get you on the show today, but that's cool. You're able to to join us. Jody, tell us more. How did you get connected with the show? Well, um, I guess uh, there's, a, well, there's another show called Life Below Zero, and one of the cast members on that show, which is not an all-Indigenous cast, it features all sorts of Alaskans with a couple of Native families, and um, I was recommended from one of those Native families, Rico de Wild, um, to consider us for this new show, First Alaskans. And so, um, yeah, that's how it kind of came about. And they came to our fish camp last summer and did an interview and kind of watched how we live for a day. And, um, yeah, so that kind of went from there. Your son, Denali, he's on the show. How's he doing? He's doing good. You know, I think being in front of he's a pretty shy Navajo boy. And he's, uh, you know, not, um, he's never been like a real outgoing, talkative type of kid. And so he's uh, kind of shy in front of the camera, but I think he's kind of coming around. He's actually um, on the river right now. So, yeah, he's, he's doing good. He's a tough kid. He's a good hunter. So, Jody, you know you work the heck out of that boy, don't you? Well, I don't know about work the heck out of him. He has some <laughs> downtime, but he's, uh, he's my right-hand man. And, um, you know, like between my husband and Allie and I, you know, we get a lot done. And, you know, my son, I'm just really proud that he's, got a lot of really awesome skills, you know, that a lot of folks don't have these days. And, you know, I think it's just so important for us to raise our kids close to the land, grounding them in our culture and our way of life. Absolutely. And seriously, Jody, I mean, are you aware of how much of a badass you are on that show? You know, I, I don't feel like I'm... I'm all that. I don't see myself how maybe other people see me. I, I feel like, you know, I just come from a long line of strong matriarchs. You know, my mom is the original badass, and, um, you know, I just do what I've been taught, and I just, I, I just really like living out here, and some of it requires things that aren't your average American woman kind of day-to-day activities, so that's kind of how <laughs> I would think of it. <laughs> well, let's ask Vince, because he's watched this. So, Vince, Jody, is she not a total B.A.? Oh, come on now. Yes. I mean, just talk about <laughs> representing Jody. You know, hey, you know, I do have a question, though. There, there's this, like, almost a hidden element to the show that I really, really, really enjoy. And I almost get the feeling that as you guys are out there looking like these seasoned veterans who've been, like, in a combat zone for, like, 20 years with, and you're just, it's like bombs are going off right behind you and you don't even notice it. But I have the <laughs> feeling that the camera crew is like Keystone cops out of their element. And I know there's some funny moments where you guys are there just doing your thing. And I just know somewhere behind the scenes, someone's got like loafers on or something. I, I don't know. I just get this feeling that you guys are just, just doing the show. But I, I know there's some antics behind the scenes. I would love to know any, anything funny that happened behind the scenes because I have a feeling there is. 
Yeah, Jody, I want I want to know the same thing. And I'm also curious to know, like, what's it like being on a reality show? Because I'm always fascinated wondering what that experience is really like. For example, okay, like Vince Benson is the film crew. Like, are they right there roughing it with you the whole time? Or do they like have a plush fifth wheel camper parked somewhere off camera and they just kind of hang out chilling, watching Netflix while you're out cooking moose steaks over a fire? Yeah. I don't, can you guys hear me? Oh, um, yeah. Okay, good. So we've had some really cool uh, film crews, you know, working with us. Um, they're a real group of professionals, and, you know, the uh, BBC Productions is trying. So this is like a good plug right here. Like, they're trying to get as many Native American and Alaska Native filmmakers to work with us. They just feel like it'd be more authentic, and, you know, that's their goal, to have, like, full Native cast but also Native crew. Um, but, yeah, we have... Uh, really cool people filming us from all walks of life you know some folks are um you know some of them it's like their first time in alaska others have worked for years on life below zero for 10 years and you know a lot of these these interesting shows and they're tough i mean you have to be in shape sometimes you know carrying those heavy cameras there's times like they're running alongside us carrying these cameras and so i mean they're all pretty they're all pretty legit like they're in for the adventure but i can tell you like this last winter you know there's a, a new guy first time uh working for this show and you know okay. every morning he showed up it was well Every morning the crew showed up to film. It was 60 below for three weeks straight. 60 below zero. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk more with Jody Potts-Joseph after break. If you've got a question, 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, Protecting tribal sovereignty and keeping dollars in Indian country are Amarin's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amarind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. You're tuned in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There's lots of Native stories and actors to watch on film and television right now. We're hearing reviews from some shows that are streaming right now. Please join us by offering your takes on the latest Native content. 1-800-996-2848, the number to call. We're speaking right now with Jody Potts-Joseph. She's on the show Life Below Zero, First Alaskans. It's on the National Geographic channel. Jody, uh, your husband, he's on the show too. How's he doing? Um, you know, it's actually been a really challenging summer. Um, we don't have fish on the Yukon River. Uh, the state of Alaska has mismanaged our salmon fishery on the Yukon so harshly that we're not getting the salmon returns, so we're not allowed to fish. So we're all pretty bummed out. My husband's just, um, you know, we're just uh, trying to find other things to do. But he's doing well. He's, uh, you know, he does pretty good on the show. And he's Khan and we're actually at his family's native allotment, their native land is where we're um where we live and where we've been filming so you know he's just happy to be out on the land and you know he's raised by his grandparents so he's really skilled in a lot of the old ways and pretty cool i love that one episode where you're both out on the ice with buckets to haul water and you tie a rope to him so he doesn't get carried off by the river and then you tell him i gotta take care of my hunk of burning love (laughs) was that was that scripted come on it's just like 
I just knew my kids were going to roll their eyes and be so embarrassed, but that's part of the, <laughs> the joy of being a, a parent, I think, <laughs> embarrassing our kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk a lot on the show about the importance of your culture and the fact that your people have lived on that same land for millennia. And you talked a little bit earlier, but but do you think a lot of us Native people could benefit from living more of a subsistence lifestyle? You know, I think, um, of course, you know, I mean, I think there's so much to, you know, returning to our, as much as possible, our original diets. You know, it just agrees with our bodies and our DNA better, and it's just better for us and, and also the world. Um, you know, I just think the sad thing is through colonial colonization, um, you know, it's been really challenging for a lot of Native people, I think, especially in the lower 48, you know, I mean, they killed off the buffalo, and, you know, there's just so many, um, you know, things that really went against our people and food security, you know, and so, um, you know, I know that it's, it's more challenging for a lot of folks in other parts of Indian country, um, but, you know, as much as possible, you know, and if anyone wants to learn, I just am all about it. So, Well, Jody, while we have you on the line, I also want to ask you about your daughter, Kwana, and she's got an amazing career. I'm sure you're really proud. Tell us how you feel about seeing your daughter breaking molds and, and making waves internationally with all her work in the fashion industry. You know, it's just really just a wild, wild adventure. You know, I'm just extremely proud of her, of course. Like, she is so brave going into these spaces. I mean, you see how we live. I mean, I raised my kids out on the land, and we don't come from much, you know. So I would say sometimes it's hard going into these spaces and feeling like you belong, but Juana is owning it, and she believes that every Native kid belongs in any space they want to be in. So I think, you know, just her bringing that courage and bravery and just really the support of all of Indian country has just been so amazing and spectacular and just super thankful and blessed, you know. And so just um, ask for prayers and the blessings of our ancestors as she continues on this journey. Well, Jody, I, I got to say, I mean, your family's whole story, I, I find so fascinating. And I think what it is, is the dichotomy. I mean, here you are, the mother of one of the most prolific young Native people of her generation. She's hanging out at the Met Gala, traveling around the world, living the ultimate supermodel lifestyle. And here you are, way up in the interior, off the grid. You're decked out in Carhartts. You're traveling on dog sleds while your daughter jet sets. I mean, how, how does that happen? I want to know. You know, I, I I really will take it back to, like, raising my kids close to the land because, you know, I raised my kids just like you see on the show. And, you know, it got my daughter, she's a lot more outspoken than her brothers, like a lot of Native women are in this country. <laughs> and, you know, I think that she started gaining a little bit of a following through her advocacy work, through wanting to protect the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge from oil drilling. So I think, you know, I mean, it, it is like it's just these two uh, very different worlds. And, you know, it's just like I've always told my kids since they were young, like, you know, like, it's so important for us to really realize today as modern Indigenous people, we have to walk two worlds, and to navigate that can be challenging, but we can do it in balance. And, you know, I think Kwana, you know, after gaining some um, some following, you know, she just got cast through a casting agent that found her on Instagram, wanting to cast on a voting rights Calvin Klein campaign, and, you know, she did that, and then 
you know, as soon as the day that campaign came out, we had, I guess, Calvin Klein had multiple, you know, modeling agencies reaching out to them saying, put us in touch with this girl, we want to reach out. And so we we're kind of in a position that was really nice where we kind of had a choice in who she she went with as far as agencies. And so, you know, just super blessed to be with IMG Models. And, you know, I think they're handling her career really well because she wants to balance the things she holds um, sacred, like the things that she is that are important to her, like you know, um, climate change and sustainability and indigenous rights. She wants to stay true to all of those things that are important to her and also to our people. And I think that IMG has done a really good job of you know ensuring that you know in these spaces she's telling people about what we're experiencing up here. You know she's telling them about the loss of salmon, about you know oil development, the Arctic refuge on sacred lands. She's telling people about climate change, you know? And so I think that's really what is um, the most powerful, I think, you know, along with mm -hmm. the importance of representation, you know, today. So it's just such a blessing. Yeah. I just can't even, sometimes I can't even believe it myself, like these two worlds we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, it's just amazing. And Jody, you use this as a platform as well, because I think more than any of the other people on the show, you do tie a lot of a lot of the shows back to culture and you tie a lot of it back to the environment and and you're definitely an advocate on the show while you're you're sharing your lifestyle which is one thing that i think is so cool about what you add to the whole show and then i also understand you have some law enforcement experience and and do you think that helps or help help prepare you for your current lifestyle um so I'm, I'm glad, first of all, I'm just glad to hear that you are, you know, audiences are seeing that I'm also trying to bring light to some of these issues we're facing as Native people in Alaska. Um, and so I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I would say that my career in law enforcement, I think, um, I was raised out on the land. So even before I was in law enforcement, I was raised in our traditional way of life. And my parents were trappers, and, you know, we traveled by dog team and canoe. And so I was raised pretty old school. Um, I think that prepared me for you know, just really our lifestyle in general, you know. But I think law enforcement really um, helped me, I think, have a better understanding of people, you know, and also issues, like to really look at things a little differently and also really learn to respond to things with emotional intelligence. You can't, you know, to be a good officer, to be a fair treating officer, to allow people their dignity and respect, it really takes a person to go into a, a really, you know, traumatic and violent space sometimes, but to have emotional intelligence to make good judgment calls. And I think that, you know, um, that's one of the things that I learned in my 10 year career in law enforcement that always sticks with me. Now, Jody, we've been talking about all these other shows that are streaming right now, Reservation Dogs, Rutherford Falls. I know you're off the grid. I know you don't necessarily have access to, to streaming formats all the time, but, but are you a fan of some of these shows we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to say I really look forward to seeing Rutherford Falls. Uh, my good friend Dallas is in that show, and, you know, I know that Jana um, has met Quana and their buddies, so, you know, I really do look forward to seeing that. I have seen Reservation Dogs. We were um, in Fairbanks for a few days and last winter, and we binge-watched that show and became good fans, and we're actually um, 
our family is really close with DeFaro, who um, plays the lead role of Bear in uh, in um, Reservation Dogs. So, yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, all these connections, I think, it just, like, lends to Indian country is so small, you know, and how we're all some way, we know each other, and it's, it's been pretty fun. But, yeah, big fans. I really love the the native humor, and that's one of the things I told BBC Productions in the beginning. I was like, you know, I don't want this show to be over-dramatized. I don't want this show to be, you know, just like, you know, natives only hunting and all this serious. Like, I wanted to capture an, our indigenous joy, our humor, you know, our eating as families, our native foods. I wanted to capture all these things that, you know, it's not just this, us in this bubble. I wanted to capture us as who we are as a people, not just who people want to stereotype us as of these hunters you know so yeah i'm just glad to see indigenous humor out there whether it's on the sh- on you know first laskins or you know with um these other shows that are more mainstream it's an exciting time it's just a time for our people so i'm pretty stoked about it well you've definitely succeeded in, in, in your goal of of really educating and informing uh the broader public about about native lifestyles out there in the interior in Alaska. And I just I want to ask you one more question about um, about your dogs, your sled dogs. They are just so, so beautiful. How are they doing? Oh, they're doing really, really good. Um, one of my females, actually my top female and my top male, I just had a, a intentional breeding this past spring and have some puppies and they're just um, completely amazing. I've been uh, already just trail running them. They've been running with me out in the woods and just they're going to be some phenomenal dogs and, you know, hopefully one day they'll take me down the Iditarod Trail and, and we'll see. But yeah, they're all doing good this summer and I'm already, I tell you what, it's end of June and I'm already looking forward to winter so I can run my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to keep an eye out for you on social media and see if we can get some photos of those cute puppies you're talking about. It's super exciting and Vince I want to ask you lots of pioneering projects on TV and film but as Native people we've still got a lot more to accomplish and and what's the next step now for Native content creators and actors producers where do we need to go from here that um, you know it's 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 wonderful to see these shows and I'm over the moon with 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 shows that are hitting all these airwaves like we got like Dark Winds with Zon McLaren that's on AMC. We've got Echo that's coming up on Marvel next year. And, you know, uh, I, I think that, that you know, it's, it's not just a novelty. You know, Native life, Native tradition, Native existence is not just a, uh, you know, flavor of the month. It is something that is here and in existence, you know, uh, still to this day, it doesn't have to be a novelty. And I want to, I would love to see more immersion and more, not such, Oh my gosh, a native show. You know, um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to see, uh, wanted to be a little more mainstream, you know, just like you could turn on the TV any Saturday and see a Western from anywhere. You know, I'd like to turn on the TV on Saturdays and see, you know, any native show or, or just so happens that there's a native character or this or that. I don't want it to be such a, uh, you know, few and far between. So we are doing some incredibly awesome, amazing, wonderful things. And I'm saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. 
<laughs> well, Vince, let's talk about Dark Winds because I know before the show we chatted a little bit. I know we both really enjoyed it, but the Navajo Times recently put out a scathing review of the show, and, and most of the commentary in the review was criticizing the way they were pronouncing the, the Navajo language, the fact that uh, the lead actors aren't Navajo themselves and staying connected to Tony Hillerman. What's your take on that? Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I can't criticize on their pronunciation. I'm Mohawk, so I don't know the uh, great pronunciations uh, and the complex in the, uh, enunciations, enunciations, is that a word? <laughs> pronunciations <laughs> of, of the language. So, you know, that's something certainly to be considered that, that to uh, moving forward, you know, you, you make, you know, uh, more intensive uh, efforts to do it just right. And, you know, if there is something that is criticized and then, then uh, one thing I do notice about, you know, uh, a lot of my friends and colleagues in Indian country is if someone says, hey, you know what? All right. Yeah, we we uh, we see that there's room for improvement. And, you know, here's an apology. And we're going to we're going to do even better moving forward than I have found in my experience personally that people are, are receptive to that. You know, anyone can be human. Anyone can make a mistake and you move forward the best you can. You know, um, I. Uh, I have to admit, I've heard a billion times of just how complex the Navajo language is. And, and you know, the, the story of the Navajo code talkers is filled with people saying they can tell in a, in a split second if someone is not a native speaker. So that's something certainly to be considered. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, earlier we were talking with Jody and she was sharing this really, really cool experience that she's had on this uh, her reality show. And what do you think? Natives in reality TV. Could this be the start of a trend? Of course. I mean, you know, I mean, I think that there's I mean, you've got Real Housewives of everything. You know what happened? What about Real Housewives <laughs> on the res? <laughs> you know? I would watch that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Jody, uh, how about that? You want to watch Real Housewives? <laughs> Jody, Real Housewives on, on the res? What do you think? I hate to say it, and I'm saying this with just the most humor, but that sounds scary. No, <laughs> coming from a Native woman, no, I'm totally kidding. But, I mean, man, we have some awesome Native women out there. You know, I would just love to see more reality TV featuring our people in any way. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're one of those awesome native women there with your with your man, that hunk of hunk of burning love that you got to take care of. That'd be that could be a whole show in of itself, Jody, I think for sure. Well, we are just about out of time. I'm sorry. It's been so much fun talking with you both, Vince and, and Jody. Thanks for joining us. This was a, a really fun and enlightening conversation. And we appreciate your fresh takes and insights on native themed television and film and and vince we'll be watching for you on the internet and, and jody we'll be watching you on the big screen as well as as uh your show continues to to show uh episodes uh, all this summer and into the fall so that's it for the day folks uh please join us again tomorrow for a special live broadcast from the 47th annual fourth of july powwow in cherokee north carolina until then i'm your host sean spruce thanks for listening to native america calling 
Support by the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian, presenting Ancestors Know Who We Are, a new online exhibition that features works by six contemporary black indigenous women artists. Joelle Joyner, Paige Pettibon, Moira Pernambuco, Monica Rickert-Bolter, Stormy Weber, and Rodslin Brown, addressing race, gender, multiracial identity, and intergenerational knowledge. More at AmericanIndian.si.edu. 1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1-800-318-2596-1